On this week's Thoughts from the Shade, we'll talk about the 10-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. After their win on Sunday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers, our boy Bomb was in the building. We'll recap Week 13 in college football. We've got Bomb's Bone to pick of the week, and we'll look ahead to the month of December. Here we go. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's episode 71 of Thoughts from the Shade. We hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday and extended weekend. Don't forget, wherever you're listening, to leave us that five-star review. Let us know how we're doing, how you're feeling, uh, and if we can do anything better for you. Uh, but we'll get right to it. Eagles are 10-1. and Big win Sunday night, 40-33. to Over the Green Bay Packers. Bomb, you were in the building. You were on the field pregame. We appreciate the footage. I got a lot of positive feedback about your on-field footage pregame. So thank you for that. How are you feeling tonight, and, and uh, have you recovered from Sunday Night Football? Feeling good. It was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, being out there in the elements, rainy day, uh, was able to get on the field, do the whole flag ceremony, uh, electric experience. I mean, it's like uh, – you know, it's one thing going to the games and sitting in the stands, but then when you're out at midfield staring up at what is a modern-day coliseum, it's unbelievable. It's pretty cool. Like like you said, you get to – you know what it's like when you go to the game. You, you know what you're expecting. I mean, you go to more games than May season ticket holder, but no matter what game you're going to, you kind of know what vibe to expect, the sights, the sounds, the PA guy, the music, everything that you're going to get, but then – you get to you get to go into the tunnels, you know, the, the underneath, um, the foundation of the structure, so to speak, and then you get to trot out on the field. You felt the turf, the sod. Uh, you did say it was soft, and it, it might be an undernight, and then they, they put up, what, 30, 25, 30 points in the first quarter collectively, but but that's all good. You know, we, we, we own our losses here on Thoughts from the Shade, but no um, – it was a tough look. What I didn't consider was that Green Bay's D linemen and linebackers couldn't get their foot in the ground all night. Thank God Lane Johnson got his foot out of the ground. That that could have been really bad, but definitely had to be a cool experience, um, you know, looking up at the crowd instead of looking down at the field. So just tell us about, you know, rolling the flag out, seeing the fireworks go up and the, the pregame festivities. Yeah, so the way it works is, uh, you know, they select different season ticket holders to hold the flag. This was our uh, our game. Uh, first time in, gosh, I guess we're coming up on eight, nine, ten years or whatever being season ticket holders. But we got selected for this game, and uh, they tell you to meet down at Section 122, you know, at the bottom of the ramp. They give you a wristband, and they give you a T-shirt. I got the Trent Cole and Hugh Douglas T-shirt. Yo, I actually noticed that, like – looking at it on TV and, and looking at the stories you posted to the Instagram that everybody was wearing a white tee. Everybody was matching. Everybody was matching. So they ask you for the size. Now I had to go up a size. So I asked them for a double X because they make everybody wear the t-shirt over the gear. So if you're wearing like a hoodie or you're wearing like your jacket, you could either pop it off and check it or, uh, you know, or pop the, the t-shirt on top of it. So we popped the t-shirt on top of it. And this guy, 
think his name was Dino, leads us down into the bowels of the stadium. And he's like, he's like yelling at people. Like he's like, he's a head coach. It was fantastic. I mean, so you got, you have, uh, uh, I think they call them standers and pullers. So you walk up to the wall, they got the big flag in like holsters on the wall. And the people who are closest to the wall are standers. The people who are, I should say, the people who are close to the wall are pullers. And the people who are furthest away from the wall are standers. So basically what you do is you take the, the flag off the wall, you walk down the tunnel and you prepare. And then as soon as it, it's your turn to go out, the way they do it is they have like a way to kind of like center the flag on midfield. But of course, me being an athlete, being a guy who knows you know how to perform under pressure in front of 70,000 people, I'm a puller. I'm a puller. I'm a guy that's able to get out into space and make things happen. So we're standing there. The way it works is you go out on the field and they're still doing player introductions. After player introductions, they do the fight song. And then when the fight song ends, uh, a bunch of the people clear out. And then as a puller, you got to like dart to like the, the hash on the Eagles, uh, that, that side of the field. So we're waiting. And, uh, you know, before introductions, Jake Elliott's booming field goals. And you probably saw what I, what I had, uh, you know, posted on, on, on the IG live, just, you know, standing right next to Jake. I mean, Christ, if he was standing there with a freaking five iron, I would have moved out of the way because it was like right next to the guy. But I got to tell you, man, I mean, I hate to kill the guy uh, next to me, but I don't know if he was like all bombed up or what. But I mean, he's like screaming at Jake Elliott, screaming at him. Like we're standing right there. The guy's like getting his work in before the game. Now, keep in mind, blustery night. I'm looking at the field goal, uh, you know, the goalposts. They're swaying back and forth. The wind's swirling. And Elliott's trying to bang through like 45, 40 yarders, extra point type things. Um, and, and like, I don't, I don't know, maybe maybe it's because, you know, I didn't have a drink that night. But uh, I'm standing there just letting the guy do, do his business, try to take like a small video. The guy next to me is like actively pulling at the flag, trying to get closer to Elliott screaming in his ear, come on, Jake, come on, Jake, all night, man, all night, man. <laughs> and I, I, I turn to Marty, I'm like, the fuck is going on here, man? Let this guy get his work in. It's windy, let him dial it in. Why, why do you got to be right in his ear, like, screaming at the guy? Um, so, you know, to Elliot's credit, I don't even think he heard the guy. Like, he, he just, like, locked in the entire time. Um, but, yeah, overall, cool experience, and then they dart you out of there. You got to wave. You got to wave the flag on the wave in the song. So we were we, we were right next to Swoop. Um, and it was, like I mentioned, a windy night. So we're in the corner. We're in the bottom left side of the flag. So below the stars, stars are top left. Or I should say, yeah, stars, top left. We're bottom left. And it is windy. And we start doing the wave where they shake the flag on, the, on that part of the song. And that flag gets pretty freaking heavy, dude. I mean, it caught a wind gust when we went to wrap it up. I mean, it was – they're lucky I was out there to get the job done. I'll just say that, G. Thank God they had you as a puller. I wonder if uh, Stoutland and Sirianni saw you out there. Maybe they, they could use you on the offensive line in case anybody goes down the rest of this year. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, the, the other thing uh, that's kind of cool, though, is you can see how you just, like, lock in as, an, as a player, like – when you're on the field, in the middle of the field, like, it's cool to hear the music. It's cool to hear the roar of the crowd. But, you know, you're just focused on what's going on on the field. Um, in my case, executing the pulling of the flag. 
uh, in the O-line's case, executing the pulling. Uh, so, yeah, you could see how guys, you know, they, they run out on the tunnel, they do their job, they go home, and it's like nobody's business. I mean, there's no real – granted, I'm not getting chased by 300-pound linemen, but there was no, there's no real stage fright element to it. It just – you know, there's just noise and music and everything else. These guys have been doing it their whole life, right? And then the the crowd just slowly grows with age and as the uh, the competition gets greater. But we can thank uh, that lunatic that was with you for uh, for maybe giving Jake Elliott a little bit of a a tiff, so to speak, out there, so that he could focus and lock in and drill a couple big field goals throughout the game, especially the one at the end to uh, to to ice the win. Well. I don't know about that. He also missed a PAT. Uh, he did. That's it, true. Basically, right after this lunatic was in his ear. So, you know, depends how you want to look at it. That's wild, man. Yeah, I guess some some people just uh, they they have to have their presence known. It's funny. I went to Coldplay over the summer. I think we covered it on the pod here, but I walked into the to the link behind Jake Elliott when we went to Coldplay, um, like all the way from Broad Street, you know, down Patterson. Uh, to the stadium and there were people like saying hi and people took he got he got a couple pictures with some people um but like a couple people you just got to keep walking and I, i'm not saying anything about jake like when, when you're getting heckled by everybody you can't can't stop for everyone but th- those guys got to be so used to it whether whether they're out in public or whether he's uh you know five minutes pregame kicking through extra points yeah, my thing is he's he's your kicker. You want to go, you know, hold the other end of the flag and go do it to to Mason Crosby. Be my guess, but you know it's a windy night. I think as a fan, you got to know the conditions. It's a windy night. This guy's trying to lock in, and you're you're five feet from the guy, just like screaming and hollering and like kind of like you know that angle that I had of of his him kicking. Oh yeah, you were that, right on him. Like I have a couple other videos where this guy's like darting out to my right like in the direct line of fire. So I don't know. The I mean, fan? some people, they, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was like dragging the flag. Like the flag is all furled up. I'm on one side. The guy across from me is on the other side. And this guy's like, they've handles on the flag. This guy's like actively dragging with his left arm, the flag further out to the right. They scream at Jake Elliott. Wow. I guess trying to get, get in the line of vision, really give him that authentic, uh, game feel that's that's wild but but that's pretty cool and uh happy it finally worked out i feel like you had that on the docket a few times this season and then i saw the rain during the day yesterday and i'm like is bomb still going but sure enough you were down there and and got the job done uh there were ulterior motives there as well we had a large wager on green bay money line we had a large wager on green bay plus seven so it wasn't all about god and country it was also about that green cash, G. I want to talk about that because we both had on fade the shade, uh, Green Bay and the points. I think you were you were a little wiser, but bought the half, and uh, I had I had the six and a half, and I, I took the L, and happily took the L. But people see these picks, people ask me what I think about the game, about the line, and, and I tell them I, I I like Green Bay, I like the points. And they're like, you're a hater. What are you talking about? Are are you nuts? And I'm curious to get your take. I mean, I think you probably feel the same way as me, but like, 
just because I bet on Green Bay doesn't mean that I'm rooting for them. Um, I'm just betting the game because I bet a lot of games, and I think it's a spot where I thought it was a spot where the Eagles weren't going to blow them out. The back door was open. Matt LaFleur, like usual, kicks kicks a field goal. Um, but, like, I, I don't get why you catch so much flack for for betting the other way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just the the honk, the inner honk Adelphian that these people are. I mean, they're so used to, like, turning on 94-1 or 97-5 and hearing people breathe through their mouths and scream that the Eagles are going to win by 30. I mean, if that if that's your kind of podcast or, or, or program, this isn't it. I'm here to help you uh, help yourself and, and add a little jingle into your pocket. Now, am I right? You know, more often than not, I'm wrong. So, you know, in many ways, you should be thrilled that we took Green Bay. You should be thrilled that I took Green Bay money line. We've done well this year. We, we've done poor previously. We have good weeks. We have bad weeks. I'm, I'm just betting the game. I, I, I'm rooting for the Eagles, but I, I see a spot that I think is a good bet. Take the bet. And they could still win the game, and I could still win the bet. And it's a win-win. They won the game. I lost the bet. I'm not losing sleep over it. We go to ten and one. You know, we're we're marching towards a first round bye at the path to the Super Bowl and the NFC coming through Lincoln Financial Field. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm ecstatic. But it's one game. And like I even look at the Indianapolis game. I thought that was a good spot to bet Indianapolis, but it was a festive weekend. I was with, with the boys and I didn't do it to kill the mood, but I, I cost myself a wager, a unit, you know? So I don't want to hear it that, oh, you're nuts. You're an asshole. You're a hater. I'm just, I'm just putting in a bet and then I'm moving on. Like, like what do these people do? Do they, do they bet the Eagles spread every week? Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. I mean, that that's, that's, that's not a way to, to win, but like, yeah, every Sunday rolls around Sunday morning, wakes up and, you have your first Marlboro and your first Miller Lite and uh, Eagles, big Eagles, big. Come on, man. Like, like you said, that ain't us, but let, let's, let's get to the game. Well, can, can I, can I tell you where I went wrong? This, this will, this will dovetail Mike sure. in the, in the later in the episode. So I had the great, I guess you could call it misfortune of getting suckered into browsing for wedding bands. Gee, this, this weekend. Not the kind to play music. The kind that go on your freaking finger. And let me tell you something. That might be the biggest scam. I thought I was going in to get a little peek, like basically like a uh, a paperclip refashioned into something that goes around your finger. No, 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 my friend. Out the door. I think it was like over three grand. So that's what's in my brain. When I'm dumping more money into my sports book, thinking to myself, I just spent three fucking thousand dollars on something I couldn't give two shits about. And I did the right thing. Luckily, I had limits on my sports book. I only dumped 500 into the account, 250 on Green Bay money line, 150 on, on Green Bay, bought the half point. Thank God. Eagles are up 13 nothing, G. And we'll get to the game. Your boy bomb doubled, doubles down. Green Bay plus 15, Green Bay money line. And uh, all, all told, not a terrible night. I think, you know, lost 150 bucks. But I, I liked Green Bay all week. And then 
suddenly on Sunday after a, a rough go of it Saturday at the jeweler, your boy bomb decided to just empty, you know, as much of the clip as possible. So that that's what went into, you know, how rough Sunday night was. 11 game board for bomb on, on fade the shade in the NFL this week. And that that's not including his three and O run on Thanksgiving day. And they wonder why I got to give out picks. You know what I mean? I'm getting killed at the jeweler. Seriously, you got You got to get it back somehow. But it's funny you say that about when they went up 13 nothing because I, I did the same thing. I mean, I only bet my usual bet on Green Bay plus six and a half. But as soon as the Eagles went up 13 nothing, I put a, a small wager on Green Bay money line. Um, didn't pan out, but. You knew you you knew you knew you knew it was going to be a game. That that's how I felt. It, it they came back. Rogers goes out. It is what it is. But I I just I, I get a little taken back by the, these people that are like so hurt that I, that I'm betting against Eagles and I I bet against Penn State. I bet against the Sixers, the Flyers. I'll I'll bet against any of my team if if I think it's a good bet. And, and if you want to kill me for it, that's great. Yeah, and I have no problem. The other thing is that there's a corollary to that. I have no problem betting on the Eagles if I like the spot, if I like the matchup, if I if I feel like I know because we watch this team more than anybody. If I feel like I know, you know that 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 this is a favorable line. So there there are some people that say, well, you know, I can't I can't bet the Eagles. I can't because you know I can't I can't I can't I can't remove my heart from my brain. Well, you know, like come on, man, you watch this team more than anybody. You should have a feel of whether or not it's a fair number. That's yeah. That's the other thing. This these are the teams, the home teams, the the teams we're fans of. Those are the teams you watch the most. You have the most information on. So you you feel like you know what's coming. Go, go with your gut. But I'll I'll leave the uh, the wager wager conversation at that. And we ultimately lost our bets. You got the push on the plus seven because the Eagles won. 40 to 33 on Sunday night against Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers exits the game in the third quarter. Uh, CJ GJ exited the game for the Eagles. Uh, I don't know if that was late first half or early second half. Reed Blankenship, that kid steps in and, and gets a pick and, and makes a nice play in space. Good, good couple of plays there that stood out to me. Um, but I think the opening drive, they come out, they throw it twice, and then from there, it's just the the Jalen Hurts show with the feet and Miles Sanders and the offensive line. I was really happy to see uh, the Eagles run the ball at will against a team like Green Bay, who is in the bottom portion of the league against the rush. And even though they didn't chuck it around the yard, which I don't think we need to see, with this rushing attack, uh, especially having Hertz as a running quarterback, uh, I thought Hertz was totally fine throwing the ball as well. Uh, I look at that throw to Quez Watkins, back shoulder at the pylon, to end the first half. That was a fantastic throw. Uh, he had the touchdown pass to A.J. Brown, who has had a rough couple of weeks. I don't think he's been right since he rolled that ankle early in the Washington game. He talked about being under the weather this week. You could see in the post game uh, the bloodshot eye from the vomiting. So he he clearly hasn't been right. He has the fumble, but but he catches the touchdown, takes accountability, and then on the defensive side, you gave up what thirty three points. 
I don't think it was all that bad. And I'll say that because you gave Green Bay two very short fields that were converted into touchdowns. The first quarter, you go for it on the fourth and one. You, you screw up the exchange a little bit. You come up short on the sneak. Gives Green Bay a short field. They score. And then the A.J. Brown fumble. Big return for the Packers. Another short field. They score there. So is it a big number to give up on defense? Yes. Uh, but And all the hidden yardage on special teams, too. I mean, yep. you know, it felt like Green Bay was moving the ball at will. And for the most part, they were. The Eagles got some key stops. But the reason why the yardage totals don't look as bad as probably it felt is because of how advantageous the field position was all night. Totally agree. It's a, it's a good thing you brought up the special teams. It felt like uh, I think it was twenty five. I don't know the guy's name for Green Bay, but he he got it out to like the thirty five, uh, you know, at will and, and got it to midfield. I think a couple of times. So it they, they the special teams, the offense, the turnovers. Uh, you know, say what you want about going forward on fourth and one with the sneak early in the game. I don't hate it. It's worked all year. You're not going to get them all. Um, and we got to take it easy on Nick S after last week, but uh, I I don't think it's uh I, I don't think it's a terrible defensive performance, and I feel like the last couple weeks, the Washington game, we were frustrated with kind of both sides of the ball. Uh, I thought the Indianapolis game, we were frustrated with the offense. I think last night, you know, despite giving up thirty three points, I don't think you kill the defense. Maybe you're frustrated with special teams, but I thought it was an encouraging performance overall and all around. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to kill, kill the defense. I thought uh, it's nice to see some of the other guys come in and make a play, like that kid Blankenship. Um, you know, I mean, not, not in my mind, not a complete game. Again, Jalen Hurts putting the team on his back and just doing a job, um, outdueling the great Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, what you have here is a franchise quarterback who. You know, in a, in a game in which they're not performing offensively, gets the job done last week. Uh, and then in a game where he's got to dominate to beat, you know, one of the all-time greats, he does that as well. That is something we never saw out of uh, number 11, who was here previously. We never saw the guy put a team on his back. You know, it, how soon we forget. 4,000 yards and not one receiver over 500. He was throwing to Greg Ward. I mean, can, can we stop and just talk about this kid, Jalen Hurts, younger than Sean Clifford, going out there and just dominating the game? Well, now, every you know, those Wentz people, the 4,000 yarders that carried us to the playoffs, won us that division in 2019, that was one of the worst divisions in, in, in recent history, and now we're, we're ten and one, and we're in the best NFC East in in years. Maybe maybe in our it's lives. Unbelievable. So it's unbelievable, G. Those those people can kick rocks, and I think that they were probably the same people around this time last year, and after the the playoff loss to the Bucks, they were saying, "Yeah, Jalen's a good guy. He's a good leader, but he he doesn't have the arm. He he, he can't throw the deep ball. He doesn't see the field." And and I th- I think we we said a little bit of that. Like I I would know for a fact there were times. No. Now let me finish. There were times where I thought that you know he's not seeing the entirety of the field. It's part of being a young quarterback, uh, and and he's clearly shown the progression. But you listen to the radio today, and Hertz was the guy all along, man. I knew he was going to be great. I mean, are these people serious? 
Dude, they like to rewrite history. I mean, you said it last year, right? Like, he doesn't have a good enough arm. It's not an elite arm. He's not accurate enough. I remember I was listening to a couple mouth-breathing hosts on uh, on a uh, traditional media network, and they said that how can you expect a guy with a 60 or 61% completion percentage all of a sudden throw it over 65%? Uh, I don't know, assholes. Josh Allen literally did it the year before. I mean, they have no brain. Remember, we were talking about his arm. I mean, is the arm elite elite? No. But what we talked about was, hey, if this guy can learn to throw with a little more anticipation, a little more touch at times, you know, he's got something there. The arm is plenty good enough. And we saw it last night at the end of the first first half. I mean, he throws that little back shoulder pass to Quez, a big moment, um, can't take a sack, you know, really have to push the ball down the field or just, you know, take a little eight yarder and try to kick a field goal. He pushes it down the field, puts it in a perfect spot, perfect anticipation on the throw, and uh, clearly has the chemistry with a guy like Watkins, who's not even a top top two receiver. So that tells you the kind of work this guy has been putting in with his receiving core. It was great to see. I don't know if you caught the – I always like to watch the the post-game speech from, from Nick S. And, and from Hertz breaking the team down. But uh, Nick S. gives out his game balls. He obviously had the offensive line and, and Hertz and Sanders. He gave them a mention, but he, he gave a ball to Quez and talked about how, you know, despite bringing in A.J. and reducing his role, the guy still shows up, still comes to work, still – tries to thrive in his role and do the best he can. And the last two weeks, he's made really huge plays for this team. Uh, and I, I think that bodes well uh, for a team that's poised for a playoff run here. You, you need all hands on deck. You need everybody. You need the top guys. You need depth guys. You need people to step up. That's why I'm like kind of encouraged about last night. I know we were kind of do, not doom and gloom, but a little bit down, even though they beat the Colts. Like I just – I saw a lot last night to be encouraged about uh, in all facets, all facets except for for probably special teams. Yeah, it was never down on the quarterback. Um, I, I I do still think kind of some of the offensive um, schemes at times over the last few weeks were a bit stale, um, and you saw the Eagles mix up some of their run scheme just up front. I mean. What they were doing blocking wise, and I'm again, I'm I'm no uh, no expert, right? But it was obvious obvious to the layperson that some of the zone run schemes that they were running early in the year, you know, they had a little bit of a different flavor uh, last night. So, um, you know, you saw tackles getting out in space a lot, a lot of a lot of like kind of a crack back almost looking blocks. So they opened they opened some holes, and clearly. Whether they saw something uh, from from the Packers that they wanted to run, you know, a little bit of a different scheme against, or maybe they finally got that self scouting done. G, uh, it was good to see a little bit of a different flavor rather than hey, we're just going to outman you uh, with the talent that we have. Yeah, I know Green Bay is not great against the run all year, but I needed to see that. Like, I I needed to see us just hand the ball off to everybody to see Hurts keep it. Uh, and, and just get it done on the ground. Like, thinking back to last year, like, I, it's a it's a cliche thing to say, right? Like, this time of the year, it's running the football and, and playing good defense. But I think any great offense, unless maybe you have, like, the Mahomes of the world, any great offense depends on 
the running game first and, and, and attacking on the ground first and then opening shit up through the air. So love to see it. I want to see more of it. Um, I think that despite the talent on the outside uh, and when you get Dallas Goddard back, whenever that is, despite all that talent, I, I think this is this has got to be a run first team. I agree. I will say I think Hurts has to do a better job protecting himself. And I also think you think about that that flag that they threw on Blankenship for unnecessary roughness. I mean, Jalen Hurts was almost speared in a Wentzian clowny type fashion down near the goal line. Uh, some guy came flying in at his number, speared a big lineman, and uh, no laundry coming out of the pocket of that official. So I like to see the aggression on Blankenship's part. Uh, I thought that was a good hit, but I thought there were a number of hits on Hertz that in my mind looked a bit excessive. I'd like to see a little bit of protection from the league. That, and he does slide occasionally, but last night he just ran it so much, and I think he was just feeling it, that there were a few instances where you kind of held your breath and he, and he took a couple shots, but for the amount of times that he runs it, like he's very good at protecting himself without a slide or without – going out of bounds like the way he just gets tackled and goes down um, but that's not to say like he can continue to to I don't know how many times he carried the ball 15 or 20 times last night that's not to say that that it's sustainable for a guy like him um, the league needs to help he needs to help himself a little bit more because running like that as a quarterback I, I know he's built like a brick shit house, but it, it ain't sustainable totally anything else on the game that that stood out, um, you know, the quarterback, the coach. I mean, I think Sirianni, I, I, I really hate to nitpick, but I, you know, I still think there are some decisions that I just tend to question a bit. I thought I, I in real time thought the decision to go for it on fourth and uh, two feet in your own territory. I thought that was a, a bit misguided because you know, if you don't get it, I, th- I think it's a total momentum swing, and, and it was. Um, now, in real time, it looked like somebody jumped, and it looked like the reason why the snap was was muffed, in a sense, was because Kelsey, jump, you know, hiked the ball to kind of get the offsides there, and I thought Sanders had a heads-up play to try to lunge forward. I thought it was a bad spot from the officials on third down. I thought it was a bad spot for the officials on fourth down. Uh, but I just think if you're Sirianni there – I don't know. I, I, I think I I think I punt the ball. Um, but again, nitpicking, that's one decision. Uh, they, they, I, I like the fact that he was willing to stick with the run for the most part. There were a couple times where he got close, you know, kind of inside that 30 range and tried to throw it around. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you've been ripping off eight yards of carry all the way down the field. What are we doing? And uh, luckily he got back to it and uh, stuck with the run for the remainder of the night. Got to give some more flowers to, to Miles Sanders. Uh, for the amount of flack he's caught previously from me, but I think I think he's close to six yards per carry on the year. I think he had a career high in rushing last night, around one forty three or one forty five or something like that. Jalen Hurts with one fifty seven on the ground. I think he fell eighteen yards short of the all time single game record uh, for a quarterback, and that was just set this year by Justin Fields. But I think they had over three hundred fifty yards on the ground the most since 1948 for the Philadelphia Eagles. So pretty remarkable stuff. Yeah, and I mean, Sanders obviously much better year than in years past, both with uh, protecting the football and uh, 
and running the football. Uh, but I, I still, I mean, last night, I still think there were, there were yards out there for that guy. I mean, I just think there's, it, it's really hard to nitpick when a guy's ripping off six, seven, eight yards of carry, but there are just times where he's got the ball in space and it's like, buddy, just get up the field. Like, don't dance. He like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't want to kill the guy. It's, it's not, not the night for that, but I just think that, that he, he tends to default to bouncing everything. He definitely does. He does, and, and you can see it. But I think it's it's uh, fewer and further between this season. Yeah, you can you can tell it's been a point of emphasis from the coaching staff. He's working on it. But they they uh, they had Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts on the field uh, with with Sunday Night Football, giving them the game balls after the game, and uh, they were you know talking about all the accolades with the rushing and how they they racked it up on, on Sunday night. And Jason Kelsey was talking about Jalen Hurts and how it's it's a numbers matchup and it's a numbers advantage for the Eagles to have him as a ball carrier. After Hurts obviously gave accolades to the offensive line. So it's just crazy the attack that they have. And, and again, you know, Kelsey knows it. They all know it, the, the numbers advantage that they have. And I think that's why this team got a ground and pound, baby, and it'll open everything else up. The other thing, maybe just to give some some flowers to the O-line as well, I think for the most part, and they got dinged on, a, I thought, a bad call last night with an illegal man downfield. But for the most part, with a guy like Hertz, who I think some of these runs are RPO, uh, I, I think there's times where, you know, he kind of looks around and thinks, can I throw this away? I think for the most part, that offensive line does a really good job of reading the uh, the defensive lineman in terms of hey is he rushing is he is he throwing is the ball out and uh, you know try to avoid the uh, you know the illegal man downfield penalties um, uh, Maya was actually talking a little bit about that last night after the game uh, in the post game interview just saying hey you know with a guy like Hertz how dynamic he is it's it's kind of tough to understand that but he he took accountability and says that's on us as a, as an O line to make those reads on the D line and ensure we're not too far down the field in passing situations. So I, th- I think they do a good job of that. I mean, the, the O line is really, I mean, they look bad kind of the last couple of weeks. I think we attributed some of that to scheme. We noticed the run run scheme changed and uh, I thought they, they pass blocked a hell of a lot better last night too. Much better effort all around. And you mentioned penalties. I think they only had three on, on Sunday night. Uh, definitely a much cleaner game in the infraction uh, area, which was good to see because I was definitely frustrated with that as well uh, against India. Maybe attribute some of that to playing on the road uh, indoors and the noise and whatnot. But you were in the building. You didn't You didn't get to hear Chris Collinsworth. I'm not sure if you caught any of the clips of the, uh, I believe it was the DCP, the double cheek push. He was talking about how the Eagles kind of come out in that victory formation for the QB sneak. And you get the two guys on the side and they both push the cheek of Jalen Hurts on the sneak. And, like, they showed the replay, and he's talking about a double-cheek push, and I don't think anybody even touches Jalen Hurts, like, on the back. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> it's just so happy I was in the building and didn't have to hear that pencil neck just bloviate all night. What did you make of the, the black helmets in, in, in person? Yeah. Um, number one, and, and did we see them in Arizona? Did they wear them on the road earlier this year? I don't, I don't think. 
I thought they did with a white top and black pants. I might be mistaken. This is definitely the first time they've worn them at home with the black tops. I'll be honest, you cannot tell the difference in person. I could, if they wore them in Arizona, I couldn't tell the, the difference on TV. I think it's kind of a kind of a stupid alternate helmet. I mean, if you're going to wear all black, wouldn't it be much cooler to kind of go go with kind of like a white or like a deep gray helmet or a shell and then like a like a midnight green kind of kind of eagle's wing? I don't know. I mean, obviously they want to do the Kelly green next year. That's going to be the alternate helmet, but you know, for a year, a stopgap year where you can kind of choose a different shell um, ahead of the Kelly green alternate Jersey, you know, selection. I don't know that I would have went with black. It's too close to that midnight green. I agree. I, I, I thought the same looking at it on TV. It looks very similar to the midnight green because the midnight green is already pretty dark. Um, and yeah, I don't know if they wore them against Arizona. I think they have worn those, those black helmets before, uh, but they, they didn't make a whole stink about it, kind of like they did for this week with, with the all-black. But I, I wasn't crazy about them. It, they didn't pop at all. They they looked very similar to, to the Midnight Green helmets. So I, I, I didn't get the fuss. I, I didn't I didn't love them. I, I didn't think they popped. Um, really not much difference to me on those, those black helmets. Uh, so we got Tennessee this Sunday, I believe 1 o'clock at home. Uh, Tennessee off a tight loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. They're at seven and four, first place in the AFC South. Eagles open, or at least right now, are a five and a half point favorite. Um, I think Tennessee is a pretty good team. I don't know how. I think Ryan Tannehill is one of the most like Jekyll and Hyde quarterbacks uh, in this game. He he can look really good, and he can look really bad but uh i think under variable they they play a tough brand of football obviously you got derrick henry they have a, they have a tough defense so and i know like green bay has had a tough year but they, they have a strong rushing attack you can see their their passing attack getting it together a little bit uh got some players in the secondary so like the schedule is definitely cranking up a notch um as we head down the stretch here get ready for dallas on christmas eve Two bouts with the Giants who, you know, they might be falling off, but those are divisional games. Um, so g- good to see the Eagles kind of take care of business and, and put a pretty strong effort together on Sunday. Any expectations or thoughts on Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, they had a really tough loss uh, on Sunday. Um, they got a stop at the end of the game to try to get the ball back, and uh, they forced a field goal attempt from Cincinnati. And the D lineman just bum rushed the the snapper, fifteen yard penalty, and uh, basically Cincinnati was able to kneel the uh, kneel the ball and uh, not give the ball back. So look for them to be a motivated bunch. Um, but you know, first glance at that line, G. I mean, that's it. That strikes me as like a Tennessee line. Um, oh, we can't bet Tennessee. I would have thought. Don't do it. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to bet Tennessee. I, I think odds makers are kind of overthinking this one here. You know, Tennessee off a tough loss at home. Vrabel's a pretty good coach. You know, they're going to lose two in a row. They're a team that travels well with that run game. But like the five, five and a half that you just cited seems a little, a little low. I mean, I, I thought it would be around a touchdown. Um, maybe I'm crazy. I, I just, I just don't have a lot of faith in those AFC South teams. Yeah, I don't love I don't love that line 
for the Eagles, I, I would think it should be a little bit higher too. So maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll appease to the yeah. masses this week and we'll, we'll fire on the birds. We'll see. We'll see how the line <laughs> moves throughout the week. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to touch on anything around the league. I thought it was a pretty bleak board this week. Uh, the one game that did excite me, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars going, moving to four and seven, uh, with a late touchdown and a late two point conversion to beat the Baltimore Ravens at the end of regulation, 28 to 27. Uh, you know, you you posted some clips. You hear some of this talk about uh, Doug Peterson and how Trevor Lawrence didn't even have a rookie year under Urban Meyer. Uh, any thoughts on our boy Doug P? Yeah, I mean, you got to drop that clip in there, that audio. But it's 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 just electric. Uh, it was an electric game, an electric win. I thought Lawrence moved the ball well at the end of that game and really made some outstanding throws. But it's clear this team buys into Doug. They buy into his brand of, of football. He's he's uber aggressive. Like, you know, they march down the field and score there at the end of the game, and the touchdown was reviewed. And the announcers say, oh, yeah, the field goal unit or the extra point unit is coming out on the field. And this is all while a review is ongoing, G. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, yeah, these guys don't know Doug. Like I'm sitting there at home, you know, waiting to waiting to jump in the truck and head down to South Philly, thinking this all this is is Doug throwing the the field goal team out there just while the review is ongoing. So that way, if they confirm it or it stands, like the offense can run back out. And that's exactly what he did. Harbaugh took a timeout. Uh, Doug kind of uh, changed up the um, you know the formation. You had trips, trips up top and then a single receiver down at the bottom and they threw just a little little kind of, uh, you know, kind of corner route to the uh, to, to the pylon there where Lawrence has to throw across his body a dime, lead the receiver, keep it in bounds, keep it away from the defender. And he does that. I mean, what a call. Uh, not No gimmick. Just trusting your young quarterback to rip one in there. And it's obvious that this team is bu- buying into our boy Doug. Lawrence ripped a lot of throws in that late in that game. He he looked pretty good. I'm confident Doug will get the most uh, out of him. I don't know if that that Marvin Jones touchdown was a catch for sure. Uh, the play that they reviewed, it was close. Uh, the the ruling on the field was a touchdown. It was upheld, but no surprise. Doug going for two. Um, and yeah, some some of his players just just going to bat for the guy, even despite a three four win season thus far saying that they they love the guy i think the one quote was i would die for doug peterson uh so four and seven you know you you don't you don't hear a lot of that kind of stuff coming out of four and seven seven locker room so says a lot about doug peterson we obviously here love him uh always appreciate him for for 52 and and the work with bdn but uh i'm listening to the radio today uh not only the people that said they were hurts people all along but they're talking about kind of the new age quarterback and how you have to be mobile and everything. And some jack wagon gets on and he starts going off uh, about Lamar Jackson. That that quarterback from Baltimore, from Baltimore, he wins 10 games for that team by himself with his legs down in Baltimore. But then once in a while, he turns the ball over at the end of the game. And that's why Baltimore don't win in the playoffs. Like th- this guy must have said Baltimore like eight times in a, in a 60 <laughs> second call. I was, I was rolling. So I figured I would sprinkle that in, uh, 
It's beautiful. In honor of, of talking about that game. But nah, nothing nothing much uh, else too crazy around the league for me. Uh, we're recording during Monday Night Football. I got the Steelers as my last pick this week, plus two and a half there, up 16 to 10. Early in the third quarter uh, at the moment. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at TFTS Pod and on Instagram at Thoughts from the Shade. Anything else on NFL Bomb, or do you want to take it over to a wild weekend in college football? Let's get to college, G. Yeah, I mean, conference championship week. Or weekend uh, is set. We I think we have some clarity in the college football playoff picture. Um, let's see who went down. Clemson went down outright as a 14 and a half point favorite to the Gamecocks of South Carolina. I think that cooks the ACC's chances to get into the college football playoff. Uh, Oregon blew a 21 point fourth quarter lead at Reeser Stadium to the Oregon State Beavers. In the Civil War, they fall 38-34. to 34. Uh, Their chances are cooked. And the other game that had huge implications was the game. Uh, Michigan goes into the horseshoe and throttles the Ohio State Buckeyes 45-23 to 23 to win the game uh, for a second consecutive year in advance to the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue this weekend. Um, I watched... Pretty much all that Michigan Ohio State game. I watched. I watched a lot of college football on Saturday. It was a glorious day. Great action. Uh, close game early, back and forth. Uh, both teams explosive, and then the second half, I feel like Michigan continued to make explosive plays, uh, and then they kind of did what they did to Penn State and just ripped them on the ground, busting off huge plays with Donovan Edwards. Um, it was it was a healthy shellacking. Uh, not a good look for Ryan Day. Not a good look uh, for C.J. Stroud, who has gotten stroked off uh, nationally for two years now, but hasn't won the game, hasn't made the playoff. Uh, your thoughts on any of the games I mentioned or any others thus far? Well, you know, I think you're you're unfairly treating C.J. Stroud and the complement of receivers Um you know, because if, if the game was seven on seven and they were doing it in shorts and uh, Trent Dilford was there talking about Elite 11 and all the other nonsense that these fucking strokers talk about, stuff that doesn't matter, stuff that doesn't contribute to winning football. I mean, if, if they were playing the game in shorts with no O-line, yeah, Ohio State probably would have won by 50. But the fact of the matter is college football... That's not what that's about. It's not about Trent Dilfer talking about his evaluation process. The guy stunk. Stunk. Elite 11. Oh, he's Elite 11. Oh, 7 on 7. He lit it up. He went 55 of 58 in 7 on 7. What the fuck is that? I mean, you hear it all the time. And you see it with these high school kids, too. So, you know what? I'm not a hardball guy. I I don't like Michigan, you know, particularly all that much. However... Here's what I respect. This guy decides. He comes back from the NFL. He goes to Michigan. They lose, lose, lose the game. And he just decides, you know what? I'm not changing. I'm not spreading it out. We are going to win by bullying. Bullying this team. And that's exactly what they did. It's crazy because obviously I watched both those teams play against Penn State. 
you saw what Michigan did to them, and you saw how Ohio State had to scratch and claw uh, and take advantage of Sean Clifford turnovers to, to win in Happy Valley. Um, but, yeah, you, you nailed it. And it's the second year in a row that, that Michigan has just outwilled and, and bullied the Buckeyes and, and made them look small, make them made them look – inferior it's crazy to see and I, i'm i'm not i'm obviously not a michigan fan but you gotta admire the job that, that jim harbaugh's done uh and you gotta admire the performance from jj mccarthy on saturday i mean the guy was getting killed all the stuff i was reading and listening to leading up to the game uh mccarthy hasn't completed over 50 percent of his passes in this many games this year i mean the, the kid he wasn't uh, a one, it, it it wasn't a Heisman performance, but he stood in there, delivered some some strikes, uh, and like I said, that they hit big plays in the air, they hit big plays on the ground, they they made Ohio State look bad, and all the talk about how accurate C.J. Stroud is, uh, and you know if he wins this game, it cements the Heisman for him. I mean, it what I I don't understand. Like, I get maybe he's accurate, but like. You have this plethora of, of receivers to throw the ball to, the Harrisons, the Abukas, uh, the Flemings. I mean, they, they got the big tight end. They, they got everybody. Uh, how hard can it be to deliver the ball to these guys? And, and then you get punched in the mouth. Um, you know, they get out to an early lead. They get punched in the mouth, and they just never get back up. That's a reflection of, of character and leadership. Um, and you look at a guy like, like Jalen Hurts. Like, he just wins. It's doesn't have to be pretty with Stroud. It's pretty, but he doesn't. He doesn't get up when he gets punched. No, and I never. I've never seen the guy show any emotion um, ever. Like he, he's like a robot that just goes out there to kind of like, you know, put footballs into the jugs machine and deliver them sixty yards down the field. Like, buddy, that's not football. And I agree with you. Like he's got he's got playmakers all over the field. So I don't want to hear about the running back being out. They said Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, if he if he was draft eligible this year, I, I read that he would be a top five pick. Uh, that's 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 the uh, that that's the uh, the the grade they have on the guy. He was throwing to two top fifteen picks last year. He's throwing to a guy who broke all kinds of Rose Bowl records last year. I, I just I must be missing something here. I, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable how the media anoints these guys because he's he's wearing the number, he's got the drip and the swag and the right face mask and the shield. And and then you look into the guy's eyes and there's nobody home. No, and I, I had to I had to trickle over to the Ohio State boards after that loss. And, and even the Whoa. Ohio State faithful were, were killing Stroud, uh, you know, for not taking off and using his legs and be be willing to take a hit to to extend a play or, or get a first down. And you saw that um, on Saturday. You, you saw him scrambling around. He tried to underhand a pass in the red zone. It gets picked off. Horrific. He, he looked very civilian. Um, and people aren't happy with Ryan Day. Uh, I, I know we talk about, like, James Franklin and, you know, in, in a national light, uh, people think James Franklin probably had a good year, did a good job. And people probably think Ryan Day, like 11-1, still pretty good. But, like, for the hardcore fans, like, people are pissed off. You, you 
You didn't lose one of the games. You lost two in a row. You're not going to the Big Ten Championship. Uh, you're, you're hanging on like a loose tooth to get into the college football playoff this year, potentially. Uh, we'll get to that conversation, but things are bleak a little bit uh, in Buckeye Nation, and it, it's, it warms my heart, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and think of it this way. They have to go on the road next year. So you're looking straight down the barrel of uh, three losses in a row in the game. The only thing that's going to save Ryan Day is C.J. Stroud getting drafted, and they move on to the six era. A guy who knows how to win in the biggest moments. A guy who knows how to win in Pennsylvania. You know, they got they got to go to the young bull, McCord. Kyle McCord, yeah. It's a uh, <laughs> little more fight in that guy, I can tell you that much. Yep. It's funny thinking about him and, and Harrison. and uh, I want to say there was a Pennsylvania receiver this week, class of 23 or 24, that committed to Oregon uh, out of Philly. Um, but, you know, the, the Penn State saying is the best in PA, stay in PA. And you, lo- you look around at some of these other programs that are just ripping off St. Joe's prep guys and – <laughs> guys from around the state and it's like yeah i mean we we get some of them but but we we don't get all of them we get we got to work on that um but yeah like you can't if you're ohio state you can't complain about the injuries i know smith and jigba's out i know henderson's out but blake Corum, he 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 was a heisman favorite coming into that game he played like two snaps and, and you know couldn't get the knee going couldn't cut um so they were michigan was without their best player so i i don't want to hear it you, you you got manhandled in the trenches uh, and again, not to suck off Harbaugh, but what a job he's done. They lose all that NFL talent on the, the defensive side. I think statistically the Michigan defense is better than it was last year. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just such a goofball, and he's so weird, and they play a different brand than anybody else, but you really have to give this guy credit. And, you know, Michigan, right, they've kind of cycled through these coaches. They've churned through these coaches. They finally go out and get a Michigan man. They stick with him, and he comes through. I mean, is that what Penn State thought they were doing when they signed James Franklin? That's my question, G. I think next year will be a very telling year for James Franklin. Oh, it's, all, it's, it's always next year. Well, you got, you got to give him a little bit of credit for this year because – he cashed on that over eight and a half. Not not that I bet it, but that was the preseason win total. He got he got him to ten. Yeah, I, I get yeah. it. And he did it. And he did it with an absolute grifter fraud in Clifford. Exactly. But at the end of the day, he's the guy who left that guy out there. And like what Penn State fans don't realize is they just had to win one of those games and not get blown out in the other, and they'd be going to the college football playoff. I mean, even if they got boat raced at the big house and found a way to, to pull it off against Ohio state. And then Ohio state does what they did this weekend. I mean, Penn state's resume this year looks not so bad. Yep. It hurts. Uh, I'll mention two other games and note. Uh, you were pretty high on the LSU tigers last week, my friend, but you, you did have, Woo. you did have the Aggies plus the 10. I did have the Aggies, man. So, so you, you found some wisdom, uh, between Tuesday night and Saturday. Uh, as LSU falls out of the playoff hunt uh, at the hands of the Texas A&M Aggies, 38-23 to in College Station. And then the nightcap, the USC Trojans moved to 11-1. and They moved to the Pac-12 championship game Friday night against Utah. 
uh, with a win over the Notre Dame fight, Fighting Irish, 38 to 27. Uh, I love Notre Dame this week. Uh, I thought the line was so damn short uh, for a Notre Dame team that is uh, handicapped at the quarterback position. Uh, I think if they had a serviceable guy there, they would have had a great chance to win the game Saturday night. It's not ultimately what transpired. Kalen Williams, uh, I think, locked up the Heisman with his performance. Um, you got to give credit to Lincoln Riley and Williams and that offense. Uh, I, the Notre Dame team is is pretty chock full with talent, uh, aside from the quarterback. So it was a good performance uh, for the USC offense. Uh, and like I said, LSU, um, what do you have to say for yourself there? I'm I'm prepared. Uh, I was about six years and five months too early. I said it in August of 2016 when they ran out onto the field in Jerry World to play Alabama, and they slammed the big sword into the turf at midfield during the introductions. I said it then. I said, USC's back. And uh, finally, six years later, USC is fucking back, dude. When you when you're watching that November game, so let, let me fill you in on this, G. So at my high school, right this this Saturday is traditionally homecoming, right? So you got the dance, right? And uh, and it's always I don't know why they do it this way. It's like the Saturday of like Thanksgiving weekend. Like uh, I don't. It's for me, it's kind of a bizarre weekend to choose, but. Long and the short of it is, I just have so many fond memories of like paying no attention to the dance because, you know, you go into the cafeteria and they got the big screen going with Notre Dame USC wow. when the when the game's in SC, and you're just staring up at that big screen, slamming a tea cooler and a soft pretzel, and you just hear you hear the song, dude. You got to drop the song in there, dude. And it's just like, that's like a defining moment in your life. Just sitting there at homecoming, smashing a pretzel. Your date's nowhere to be found. You're just watching football like a total scumbag. And like, I'm sitting here on Saturday night, watching the game. Notre Dame's in the game. USC is dominating. The music's blaring. The quarterback's making plays all over the field. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is fantastic. This is what I want in college football. I don't want an extended playoff. I don't want 12 teams. I want the powers to be the powers, and I want them all to play in the playoff. No drop needed with that musical performance by you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to see USC back. Uh I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't love USC, but like you said, the the band and the song, the pageantry and the the brand of football that they play, like with Cheat Carroll, they were a high flying offense, and now with Lincoln Riley, they're a high flying offense. So like, yeah, let's let's see this USC offense play against Georgia or Michigan. Uh, like I, I I'm down, I'm ready. Like I I want to see it. Uh, but they got a big test Friday night in Las Vegas against the Utah Utes. Uh, the only team that they've lost to this season. They'll look to avenge that loss and secure a spot in the college football playoff. Uh, other games of note, conference championship weekend, Kansas State and TCU will battle for the Big 12 crown, 12 o'clock Saturday. TCU with a win will obviously lock up a college football playoff spot uh, and look to move to 13. And, oh, you've got the SEC championship game, LSU and Georgia. 
Oh, man, does LSU even show up after like taking that loss this weekend? No, no, no. Brian, this 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 smells like a game where they get blown out. They're getting ready to go to a meaningless bowl game. A hurricane is barreling towards Louisiana, and Brian Kelly puts a kid up in a scissor lift. That's that's what this game kind of feels like. Wow. Uh, the American, the UCF uh, Knights take on the Tulane Green Wave, who beat Cincinnati on Saturday. Winner of that game is believed to be grabbing that group of five spot. Uh, in the New Year's Six, in the Cotton Bowl. A lot of current projections right now are saying Penn State, Tulane, in the Cotton Bowl. Wouldn't that be nice? That's like a classic Penn Like, Penn State loves going to that Cotton Bowl with two losses. They'll beat up on Memphis. They'll run the ball against Tulane. And then they can sell their season tickets, tweet out 107,000 strong, and rip off a 1-0 tweet before they prepare against Akron. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I saw I saw something online earlier, like of of JF holding up the Cotton Bowl trophy after the Memphis win, and, and the people were like, "It doesn't say beat Memphis on the trophy; it just says Cotton Bowl <laughs> champion." Uh, so good. ACC, Clemson, UNC, Saturday night. Don't think that game means much. Maybe a New Year's Six bid for for the ACC winner there, uh, and then also Saturday uh, night. The, the, I just want to say I got something on that game. Like, remember when we were just canceling football games for COVID? Sure. I, I don't want to see this game. Just just cancel it. Like, I think, like, I, I was never in favor of, like, canceling games for COVID or whatnot. Like, I think they should have had to suit up some frat boys. And, like, you got 40,000 kids that go to the fucking school. All you need are, you know, 50, 50 to 90 guys in a uniform. Was never a fan of that. But who the hell wants to watch UNC Clemson? I mean, I'll bet it. I guess I'll bet it, but... This feels like a game that should just be canceled. We don't even want to watch the ACC. They didn't do a great job of spacing out these games because at 8 o'clock you have that Clemson-UNC game and then you have Purdue-Michigan for the Big Ten. Michigan laying a heavy 16.5 points uh, in Indianapolis. So, I don't know. I mean, we got the Big 12 at noon. We got... The SEC at four. I mean, that's not really a game. I might might be watching the the Knights and the Green Wave at 4 o'clock and then – Going out Saturday night and, and and bagging bagging Saturday night. I think the game to watch of the weekend is is going to be the Pac-12 Friday night. I think I think it's agreeable. We we don't have to put them in order, but I think right now it's agreeable. The top four teams uh, and should TCU and USC win the college football playoff should be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. Um, but should the Trojans or the Horny Frogs fall. Um, who get who gets in? I mean, I hate to say it, and, and I I know you're gonna hate it, and I I'm gonna hate it, and they they're not worthy. Uh, we don't we don't need to see, you know, Mister T-shirt and shorts get get rocked by the Georgia Bulldogs. Although it it would be a a welcome sight. I, I think Ohio State gets in if if one of the, one of these teams fall this weekend. If that's the case, so so first of all, I agree with you. If if USC loses, because that would that would get them the two losses. But let's be real clear here about the the heist that's that's about to occur with this college football playoff. Okay, the Big Twelve is basically, in terms of finances, in terms of attraction, probably 
fifth of the power five. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, financing, probably attraction. I think I'd rather watch the Big 12 than the ACC right now. I'm talking about purely financials, purely TV deals, purely programs, purely fan bases willing and able to spend cash, travel, and watch on TV. Yep. No, that's that's agreeable. I think the heist that's about to occur is going to be one of the most despicable things that I think I could, I could ever witness in in college sports. If TCU loses a game to, I think, a really good K-State team. That they already I beat. think a, they already beat. They're going to the conference championship. They got to play an extra game. Okay? And, and, and those assholes on the, on the committee, it's an extra data point. We love to see the extra data point. That's what they've said in years past. We need to see the extra data point. If the extra data point comes out as an L, I don't care if it's by three. I don't care if it's by 13. I don't care if it's by 30 fucking three points. TCU should go. They completed an undefeated regular season. They're playing an extra game. But I think if they lose this game, and it's not like a walk-off or a, a, a field goal at the end. Let's say it's a touchdown or more. I think what you're about to see is going to be one of the most despicable things to occur in college sports since they get jobbed the last time. Since they got jobbed the last time when they got inexplicably flipped. So... You know, I think that's what we need to look out for. I think if USC loses, of course, Ohio State's going to go. But there's going to be a major debate. And it better not be, hey, we want to bring the asshole in the sombrero with his face painted from Ohio State down to, you know, the college football playoff. I see that guy every year. I want to see TCU. I agree. I think if even as long as TCU, yeah, as long as they don't get blown out, which I don't think they will. I think a 12. And- I'll say this. If they get blown out, I still think they should go. Yeah. I think if they get blown out, it's it's a discussion. I think if they lose a close game, they should go over the Buckeyes. Uh, and then I think if USC loses, then I think it's a discussion worth having as well. Um, with with who? With Ohio State, just because USC will have two losses to the same Hang team on. too. Are we are we thinking about Ohio State, or can we can we talk about? A guy down in Titletown. Roll Tide. Down in Tuscaloosa. So, I was listening to Joel Klatt before we recorded tonight, and he said that Alabama has no case to to be in over Ohio State, you know, statistically, metrically, looking at the schedule. And I don't think he's, like, out of control. So, he was saying that Alabama's or Ohio State's best win is at Penn State. And however you feel about them, Bob, Penn State is a top 10 team this year. I know know it hurts. I know it feels fraudulent to you, but it's a fact. Uh, They won all of their other games by double digits, and they just happened to get boat raced by Michigan. 
and it's at home. It, it's it's inexcusable in my eyes, as you like to say it, and I believe it too. It's a disqualifying loss. However, Alabama's best win on the schedule looks like Ole Miss at Ole Miss, uh, or is it against at Arkansas, or is it versus Mississippi State? I mean, these are teams that were ranked at the time, but have fallen off. Um, they lost to Tennessee. They lost to three-loss LSU. Uh, they should have lost to Texas if, if Quinn Ewer stays in that game or if a guy can can make a t- timely tackle. Uh, they barely beat a terrible Texas A&M team. So I don't disagree with Joel in that Ohio State is probably the more deserving team statistically, resume-wise. But for me, and I know you feel the same, I would rather see Alabama go than Ohio State because <laughs> – because they are a better team. They're, I think if those two teams played today, Alabama would win. I agree. And I also think there's something to be said for dominating your rivalry game. So Alabama dominates Auburn. Again, a program of flux. Nobody's going to give them their flowers for that. But let's go up north to Columbus. They had Michigan come into their house. And in essence, defecate at midfield. <laughs> That's in essence what they did. Like Michigan came in and took a dump on the O at midfield and uh, got blown out. So for me, that's disqualifying. I don't care how many losses you have. You're in a rivalry game and you got blown out at home in front of your fans. I hear, I hear you. It's just like... It's so bad for me and you to break down here every year and every week, and then you just flip on that fucking top 25 show where they don't show you the rankings till like 7.28 when the show started at 7 o'clock, and they just totally hose you. Um, but there's the, the problem with the committee is there's no, there's no eye test or there's no like gut measure of the gut or measure of the heart. It's just all, all this resume and strength of schedule. Uh, I think you've alluded to it before. Like these aren't guys that are grinding, watching twelve hours of college football every day. I think we need to campaign for either me or you to have a seat on the committee or be the chair. I agree. Um, you know, these guys who are the athletic directors and the people that serve on this committee. Like, what do you think they're doing on Saturday? Like, they're not sitting in front of a television watching like thirteen to fourteen hours of football. They're at their own college's game, shaking hands, talking with donors, trying to get a new building. We we need a new weight room for the women's volleyball team. Can you commit $10 million? That's what those guys are doing on Saturday. While you and I are gassing beers, watching these games, gambling out the ass. Any gambler, any guy who gambles every Saturday and watches college football for 8 to 12 to 14 hours any given weekend can tell you. That Alabama is a better football team than Ohio State. I don't need strength of schedule. I don't need advanced metrics. I look at the head coach. I look at Nick Saban and I look at Ryan Day. And I want to watch Alabama and Georgia again. I'm with you. I know people are sick of it, but like, I want to watch the best teams play, right? Like, 
That's that's the bottom line. I'm trying to find real fast, like ESPN's Power Football Index odds of making the college football playoff. I should have I should have found this and stashed it before the pod. I think Ohio State had a better chance than TCU and USC, uh, according to their their FPI, which is just. Like do they do they like tee it up for us to get like our hearts ripped out? Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, if K State wins that game, mark my words, they will job TCU. It's a shame. I I hope not. The amount of the amount of tight games that TCU's come out on the right side this year, obviously all of them, um, they've earned it. And, and to have your first loss be to a team that you already beat in a game that Ohio State's not playing. Yeah. Well, Ohio State could, could have played Purdue. That would have been their data point. <laughs> Dude, the Big Ten is a joke, man. It's a fucking joke. Yeah, that that alignment stuff is is kind of weak. Um, any other thoughts on college football, or should we get the bombs bone to pick of the week? Let's get the bombs bone to pick of the week. All right. I'm not going to tee it up. The people know what's coming. They know what to expect. They know the energy uh, that is about to be unleashed. And I believe this week's bone to pick from Bomb. Uh, you know, we talked hol- holiday food, Thanksgiving food. We we were grateful last week for things in our lives. Uh, Thanksgiving has passed, but Bomb still wants to address the holiday and some of the festivities. So I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, uh, this this. Uh version of bombs been a pick of the week is uh with a special event that i think is like relatively recent that this like became a thing i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe in the last decade this became a thing maybe it just became a thing on my radar because i was entering uh you know kind of adulthood here but my bone to pick is with friends giving friends giving um I got to be careful what I say here because I don't want this to seem like a shot against uh, any type of event that I've attended recently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, but, you already you already went in about the wedding band, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I get dragged to this Friendsgiving, right? And, uh, you know, it's never your friend's Friendsgiving. It's always your significant other's Friendsgiving is what I'm going to say. And lovely people, great time, you know people are so nice putting out this spread and um you know offering you food and drink it's great it's fantastic i love it it's so great um but i just don't want to be there is it just me like like of all the things that covid has canceled like friendsgiving is still going on like like I, I don't I don't have enough time in the day to like we go we go see our families on Thanksgiving right and now I got this other giving that I got to do with friends who like aren't really friends but are acquaintances I just think it's got to stop and I got to tell you this hit me this hit me so <laughs> this is gonna sound bad but <laughs> this this hit me uh, obviously before I walked into the home of friend of the friendsgiving. But immediately again, I got I got whiplash. It's like it's like people who get in these car accidents. There's like a double impact. That's what it felt like for me. So like I didn't want to go to begin with, and then I go because I want to be like a good significant other. 
And then I immediately show up and I'm reminded of why I didn't want to go. Um, and look, I don't want to kill the guy. I don't want to kill the couple that hosted, but, uh, you know, you show up with a, uh, a 30 pack of Coors Light. I'm not there to like drink my face off. I'm there to just give the guy a 30 pack. Right. And, uh, there weren't too many other gentlemen there. One of the guys, one of the friends of my significant other, her, her, her significant other was able to get out of this. He worked, he had a tough week at work. The fuck did I have? So, <laughs> so, so I'm there. I'm the guy that shows up with the, the Coors Light and the significant other brings all the, you know, the cheese plates and all the stuff and all the great stuff. So I deliver the Coors Light. Never met, never met uh, this, this guy in my life. Seems to be a nice guy. And keep in mind, the different, different stage in life. These people have kids running around. You know, they're not locked in on the football games like me. But I deliver the Coors Light. So here you go, pal. Throw this in your fridge. Uh, you know, I'm not there to, I'm not there to drink it really. I might have one or two, but really I brought it for you just as kind of like a gift and, uh, really nice guy. Doesn't drink, doesn't drink. So, uh, I'm at the friends giving and my man doesn't drink. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to start drinking these bad boys. <laughs> so I slug a couple of these suckers and, uh, my man says, Hey man, I know, I know, uh, I know you like football. I go, oh, yeah, I like football. He's, he's, if you want to go into the living room, we can go turn on the game. I already, I already, I already dialed up the game for you. I go, this is great. This is fantastic. Like, get me out of the kitchen conversation with all, all the, uh, all the significant others. I'll, I'll go into the living room and, and, and watch the game. And uh, I took two steps into kind of like the living room area, and he goes, yeah, you know. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Dallas is playing New York. Oh my God. Oh Gee, no. The fucking NFL network is on. And I'm sitting there. It's Saturday. It's been a long weekend, my friend, of partying and hanging out. And I want nothing more than to watch, like, I don't know, Texas AM and LSU. And he's got. <laughs> Like this guy did his homework and he like heard that I was a football guy and he flipped on the rerun of Dallas versus Giants, which occurred two days ago. Oh my God. So again, I'm not, I'm, I, I, I'm going to sound like a dick, but like, you know, the feeling like you're, a, I'm a sports guy, you're a sports guy. And we just get like invited to these events and like, I feel like our significant others like make make it known to like the folks who are like involved in the event, like oh, like if I'm gonna bring him, like is there any way the game can be on? And the you know, and and they really do go out of their way to like kind of like accommodate us. It's like we need we literally need like an accommodation, like to be quite honest, to go to these events. Oh, and yeah. and part of this is on us, right? Like like we're the ones that have the problem. I just want to be clear, I'm the guy that has the problem. It's not it's not them. It's me. I'm a hundred percent certain of that. But to walk in and immediately get greeted with a game that like occurred two days ago, it I gee, I, I wanted to end it right then and there. I would have paid money to see your face when you you stepped foot in that living room and saw the game that was on the television. But like, you got to give it up to the guy for the effort, a hundred percent. It's just, it's just different lifestyles or different stages of life, different, different interests. And you talk about 
your significant other trying to make it known and and be, get it get a get an accommodation like we're, we're like liabilities out here like you, you want to make plans yeah. on like a week like you want to make plans on a weekend well you know september through february is no good uh and then you know march once it cracks 45 degrees that's no good for golf um so we're we're, we're tough and and I know my significant other, you know, t- takes it on the chin and takes it in stride. Uh, yours does the same. So, like, ha- hats off to them. But, like, it's still a good bone. Like, it- it- it's – we're us, you know. We we are who we are. Like, you-, you go somewhere and there's a big game on and you can't watch. Like, you, you feel like a fiend, like, and you're not getting your fix. It's it's a very helpless feeling. Um, but, you know, we, we also do the best we can. Uh for our ladies and it is what it is, but man, <laughs> you were probably so happy to get, to get to the living room and, and see some ball. And then you just get a replay of the Thanksgiving game on what Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, and then I, I walked back <laughs> into the kitchen. I walked back and I didn't say any, I, I didn't have the heart to like break it to the guy. Like buddy, we're watching a rerun. Um, so I went back into the kitchen and uh, he must have gotten the hint. And then I came back in the living room and he had flipped over to Food Network. So, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe more of a foodie than a sports guy. I look, I, I, I am the asshole. Okay. But for the people who are listening to this podcast, you are also the asshole. So don't make me look like the asshole. I'm just pointing out what occurred to me. And they and and our our listeners probably know the feeling too, so I I think they can relate. Um, but yeah, like there's nothing that you could do. Like you didn't correct them, you didn't ask for the remote. It's a shame yeah. the guy didn't kind of catch the drift and be like, "Hey, why don't you just put on whatever game is actually being played right now?" Well, about like an hour and a half later, he came back in and said, "Like, oh, that like that game was from Thanksgiving." It's my bad. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize I'm an Eagles fan. I, I had no idea. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> like um, I, you know, kind of had to play a little dumb. And, I, yeah, I got to give the guy credit. Like, went out of his way. But when you get invited to these things, like, when you get invited to these things, and, again, we're the problem. It's, like, very nice of people to, like, open their homes to degenerates like us and like feed us and give us, you know, drinks and stuff. But like, you know, when my man doesn't drink and then he's got NFL network from two days ago on, it's just, it just hurts. It just hurts. It's a gut punch, right? You were already through the Thanksgiving festivities. You you went, you went to one house, you went to another house, then you got to go to Friendsgiving and you, you get kicked in the dick. Um, and, and and to be clear, so so, I think our listenership will get a kick out of this. I went down kicking and screaming on this thing. So, the issue I have with with things like Friendsgiving, I don't even know that we really got to the true bone. The issue I have with the, like the Friendsgiving is like you get suckered into this stuff, and then it becomes an annual tradition. Oh no! And I said my so so just just a piece of advice to listeners. When I when I accepted when I finally gave in, uh, in some ways submitted to the to the to the event, it was a conditional acceptance for this date only. I said if this is a new thing, if this is a um, 
a new tradition, if you will, with with your friends and Friendsgiving. I I I can come to this one, but I'm not committing to the next ten. In fact, I frankly will probably only go to this one. So I just want to call that out too, because when you get invited to these types of things, they tend to morph. And then you find out that like all of a sudden these evites start going out and you get an invitation there. Oh, come to the fifth annual Friendsgiving. It's like, fuck, I, I showed up one time and all of a sudden I'm on the hook for the next five decades. Yeah, you're you're waking up on uh, like a Tuesday morning early next November and, and an evite's hitting your Gmail. It's like the last thing you need to see as you start a work day. <laughs> oh, God, dude. Oh. Well, you did you did the right thing. You were a good sport, um, but I have to say, I'd I'd be in the same boat. It's 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 what we are. Uh, we're we're far from perfect, but I feel bad even talking about it, like in the public domain. But it's something that we would all tell our buddies in a group chat, and it just has to be discussed. Has to, and, and I I appreciate it. And I think the the listeners will appreciate you. Bringing it to light. Uh, we'll pray for you uh, around this time next year when, when you get asked to go back. <laughs> I, I already, you know, walking out made it known I'm not, you know, not not to the host, of course, but to, to my significant other on the drive home. That was nice. It was lovely. I had a great time. I don't know that I can commit to next year. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll shout out the the hosts uh, for making their best accommodations. To the to, to degenerate bomb. Yes, yeah, so should we should we transition into December? Because I have a corollary on this piece, G. You got anything else? No, no. I'm just uh, you know I was thankful for for my trip and time spent with the friends and the family and everything, and I was thankful I I didn't get invited to, to any friends' givings this year. <laughs> oh man, count your lucky stars, brother. What do you got for December? So this is the corollary to the bone. This is more of a PSA to the people. Okay. Do yourselves a favor and dial up the Eagle schedule, or if you're a football fan of another team, dial up the NFL schedule and just take a look at what's coming here this month. Okay. So I believe it's week 16. They start playing games on Saturdays. You got the Christmas Eve games that, that day. And then you got three games on Sunday, okay? The Eagles play at 4.30 on Christmas Eve at Dallas. Chances are, if the Eagles win that game, they win the division, they secure the number one seed. All right? If they lose that game, we are in some serious, serious trouble. And I just wanted to point this out because I think it's easy to talk about Tennessee and look forward to the divisional games. But as I just witnessed at Friendsgiving, okay, you need to – Begin to game plan what it is you're doing on Christmas Eve, okay? Uh, I'm talking about getting together with friends, getting together with family. I'm talking about, is this really the year we're going to do this, that, and the other? I mean, really start to think about how you're going to message this stuff to your significant other. Because at 4.30 on Christmas Eve, that's like prime time for like a family gathering or a get-together or friends coming over. And the issue I have, the, the, this real serious issue I have, is depending upon your family, your significant other's family, the friends that are in your, your, your friend group, it's going to turn in, and I'm just going to call it for what it is, to a bullshit Super Bowl watch party, okay? That's what it's going to turn into, where 
you have people that don't watch sports all year, and if they get together, it's going to be talking about everything but the game. Oh, it's, it, how's Jalen doing this? Oh, it's great. It'll turn into a Friendsgiving situation where the, the channel won't be turned at the right time. You know, you'll be on you'll be on uh, on CBS for too long because they had the one o'clock, and then you're you're desperately looking. Where's the remote? Can we get over to four twenty five for Fox? Holy fuck! I mean, I'm telling you right now, December's important. So whatever you have to do, if you gotta go down to Christmas Village and buy your buy your lady a cup of hot cocoa and take a picture in front of the tree, do all that bullshit this weekend. But come Christmas Eve, come Christmas Eve. You better be locked and loaded, ready to rock, ready to watch. There's no excuses. So that's really just my public service announcement. I thought it needed to be said. I thought it dovetailed nicely with the Friendsgiving. But we are on a warpath with people who don't watch sports coming this this holiday season. I agree. It's well said. And it's it's funny because so many people are like, yes, the Eagles are playing Dallas on Christmas Eve this year. And it's like, yeah, but like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, you're going to get royally fucked somehow. Um, so is, is, is it really that great? Uh, but no, I, I think it's a, it's a strong PSA. Uh, hopefully the listeners will, will heed the advice, take care of the, the, uh, the extracurricular business in the weeks to come and clear the schedule for 4:30 on December 24th but i mean i got nothing else you said you said it well there's nothing to add um you know we talked about super bowl parties last year uh, around this time or or leading up to the super bowl but just pray just just get your shit done and then you know pray for a good result that day it's all it's all you can do that's all you can do. Any other nuggets? Uh, words of wisdom? I mean, you really laid it on us there, Bomb. Um, anything to leave the people with uh, on episode 71 here? Nothing, G. Send us home, brother. No, no Titans. No Titans money line on Sunday or anything? Not this week. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, if Dallas and the G-Men play for a fourth time, what the hell is going to happen then? All right, let's put a bow on it. Uh, We'll thank everybody for listening. We'll thank our sponsor at Menard Premium Detailing. We'll remind everybody, uh, share this podcast if you're enjoying it. We'll appreciate it. Go Eagles on Sunday against the Titans. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to everybody next time.